Blog Talk Radio. Well, we know where we're going, but we don't know where we've been. And we know what we're knowing, but we can't say what we've seen. And we're not little children, and we know what we want. Give up. 
Well, I can guarantee you we are not on a road to nowhere. Welcome to a special edition of the Indie Cafe. And today um, on Red Velvet Media, and today I have a special guest, and along with Spencer Drake, the host of the Indie Cafe, along with myself, um, I have Ava Lee Stewart with us um, from the Southeastern Film Festival, who's been running around like crazy getting awards and doing presentations and doing documentaries and producing and filming. And also, um, what's really interesting I found out about her is she not only does amazing documentaries and films, she also um, is a accomplished author of many books that um, I have put the link up on, which I think are really great. And she also is an artist as well. So her um, latest documentary, Paradise Garden, won some awards. And um, I'm going to bring Ava, I call her Lee, into the studio along with Spencer Drake, and we're going to get the show started. If you'd like to listen to the show, the chat room is open, and if you'd like to call in, the number is 347-677-1036, and I want to wish everyone a happy Earth Day. When you're listening to this, it will be Earth Day. So let's bring everybody into the studio, and... Um, hopefully everybody's here. Ava, are you there? I am, Holly. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm glad you're here. Okay, so I did get a chance to do a sound check with you real quick. Does it sound okay on your end? It sounds great to me. Okay, perfect. Me. You sound good. And Spencer there? Yep. Hi. I'm here. Okay, perfect. Okay, so can I, Lee, um, I always know you as Lee. I thought Ava was a beautiful first name. I've just always known you as Lee. I just always called you Lee. Uh, Everybody been, calls me Lee. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I know that you founded um, the Southeastern Film Festival and you, you know, directed your feature debut film um, there. And I just want to talk a little bit more and have Spencer talk to, to go through this a little bit because I know the two of you are working on a few things. But you just recently finished a documentary called Paradise Garden, which you um, have won some awards on, or are you is that in completion now? It is almost finished. I, it's a it works in festivals right now, and we have been to a lot of festivals and won a number of awards for different things. It's um, uh-huh. a documentary about Paradise Garden, which was Howard Spencer's life's work, and mm-hmm. he was the grandfather of Southern folk art, and he was one of the leaders of the outsider movement, and one yep. of the first artists to paint on recycled objects and. His claim to fame was doing sermons and paint. He was a Baptist minister before he was an artist, so that was his passion to get his messages out to people. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, and, and I know and he was also doing really uh, well. yeah. Yeah, he was Go very. Ahead, uh, he was self-taught, right, Lee? He, he was self-taught. He was. Oh. Yeah, he was a self-taught artist, and he lived in Somerville, Georgia, which is just north um, west of Atlanta. And he taught himself how to paint by painting George Washington on a one dollar bill or a one dollar bill, and then he um, just continued to paint, and he ended up making over forty seven thousand pieces of art in his career, which was wow. when he started wow. painting when he was sixty years old. So, 
pretty crazy remarkable. What was your fascination with him? What was the thing that you wanted to do a documentary on him? What inspired you? You know, I was really inspired when I visited Paradise Garden because it was in disrepair when I visited, and they were looking to be able to get funds to renovate the garden. And Uh when I went through and saw his art, a lot of his original art is still there, his mosaics and a lot of his um, paintings and sermons all over the place. And it's just, uh, he has a powerful message. And and when you go there, there's, there's literally a message for you. So it's just, it's a place where I just was captivated by it. And when I learned more about him, I was captivated by him and his career. And then I found out, that not only was he an artist, but he also, you know, would preach to visitors and a lot of people went there to visit. And it it was kind of like a pilgrimage to go see Howard Fenster. And then I found out, you know, he worked with R.E.M. and Talking Heads and Sidney Wilson from the B-52s went there and Amy Ray from the Indigo Girls and Steve Penley, who's a painter, and Arland, who's a painter. And I was just so interested in, and why everyone went there and what their experience was, that that's kind of how the film was born. That's amazing. You know, we opened up with a Talking Heads song today on the road, to, no- on the road to Nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and Chris yeah. Franz from the Talking Heads is in our film, and we're really excited mm-hmm. that he was able to be part of it. He told an amazing story to us. He's He's been on our show hasn't a couple times. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, he's it is cool. very he's talented nice musician. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he is. And he's amazing that, uh, all the things he's done, I'm just in awe of him. And it was really lovely of him to give us the time to do the interview because, you know, that's, uh, I think a true sign of someone who's really an artist that they're invested in helping other artists. Um, I want to bring in something that when, um, you know, I was very honored to be asked to be in the movie myself to be interviewed. But as I was going, I was asking some people to come into the movie myself. And what I was interested in, Lee was that, uh, and Holly was that, people that I talk with had their pieces. Uh, I didn't expect this. Like people I called up, you know, I was talking about, and they knew about Howard Vincent. But when I talked to them, they would say, "Oh, I own this piece." <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, wow! It was like everybody I was talking with. Like, uh, you know, Kenyon Phillips has a piece, and um, Michael Pilot has a piece, right? And uh, it seemed like as I was going through these conversations with some people that I was trying to talk to, they had the own the pieces of Howard's. Um, and to be honest, without Spencer Drake being involved, we never would have had so many people come out of the woodworks telling <laughs> us about their Howard Spencer so. projects and pieces because Spencer would mention it, and then he'd find out, you know, somebody else had one, and... The story, I think, kept growing in a good way that way was just kind of by, you know, just talking to people about his work and finding out that so many more people even that we even knew were working with him or knew about him or collected his work. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome, you know, when you get to network with people and then you get to find out a little bit more about the artist behind what you're doing. So during your time on creating this documentary that you're working on entitled Paradise Gardens, um, what are some, can you share some of the stories that have come along with um, creating this feature documentary? Well, there's so many. Well, when we first went there, the director uh of photography and I, Jeremy Miller, we were climbing through kudzu and rusted pieces of metal and 
both of us got deathly ill after our visit because it was just a place that had been so, you know, neglected. And it was built on a swamp, so there's a lot of water issues, and it was built with recycled objects. So, you know, obviously they were degraded when they first kind of went into the garden, and now, you know, after all this time, they're, you know, keep going. But, um, I, you know, it was... It's been a long journey. It took us three years to document the renovation of the garden. And because the garden is kind of a living, breathing thing, you know, it's it's always changing, it was hard to kind of show um, the progress and, and how, you know, the garden was, you know, being renovated. But we ended up getting some great footage. We have, we have almost 85 hours of footage, which is insane. Wow. Wow. And um, we put editing minutes. a lot of a editing. Lot of editing. <laughs> editing was a super challenge, and you know it took us a long time to you know be able to kind of pick the best pieces to show the story in a way that you know was more active. Because in a documentary, I think an active story is more interesting. But because Howard Finster passed away, we had to kind of use archive footage to tell a story that was a little bit passive. So we worked really hard to kind of make it feel like when you saw the interviews with different people that we used archive footage that was at the same time as when they were there. So you kind of felt like what they would have felt when they went there. So it made it feel like you experienced a little bit of what they experienced at the time. Mm -hmm. And I know that you've worked on some other documentaries that have been highly acclaimed, um, I know that you worked one on the humanitarian crisis in Tibet also, which, wow. I did. That was a, that, that was a very interesting project. Well, it I bet. Off, uh, we, were, we started this film in 2007, and uh-huh. it was during kind of the right before the Chinese Olympics. And we were sending, you know, a group of people into different parts of Nepal, India, China, to, you know, get the stories of the people who are affected by, you know, sort of like a a cultural oppression of, you know, especially the Tibetans because of, you know, their religion being different. And and so um, it ended up that uh, we chronicled, you know, a lot of events over a course of three years. And um, I guess at one point... um, we kind of got a lot of information and the directors ended up um, being uh, in China and kind of followed by the government. And one of the directors, Darren Mann, was actually poisoned. And My he God. had to cut with arsenic. What? And he, had to, he was, wow. and he had to actually, they had to kind of flee back to America. But um, what it ended How up was happening. How was he poisoned? How was he poisoned? He was in a restaurant in um I think it was Chindu, and a man came to his table with a cup of tea that it had arsenic in it, and he thought it oh was just God. a waiter, and he and he ended up being poisoned. But it's oh kind of God. a common way to poison people in did that area Did they get the, the guy world. that put the arsenic in the tea? No, they never did. They oh The other God. director, Christian Johnson, found Darren, and he was able to get him to the airport, and they were able to send in some people to help them to get out of China, but um, they were, um, arsenic is a crazy poison I found out from doing this film because it um, can be grown 
on, you know, just by like venting a can and keeping it for a while, you can take it off the top and it's untraceable. It's mm-hmm. a very common way to poison people in Asia, apparently. Who oh. knew? But um, it became rather dangerous. And then because the Chinese officials believed that we were going to embarrass possibly, you know, a government official, um, mm-hmm. they they really, uh, they did like a cyber attack on our offices and our computers. And oh, my we God. What? Our computers. <laughs> we all lost our computers. And we were working with the students for Free Tibet, and they were also targeted and um, oh it got to be to the point where, you know, we became the story, which is in documentary filmmaking, you're not really supposed to do that, or that's not the rule. You're supposed to be documenting kind of a, a situation outside of, you know, mm-hmm. things right. people know, but and you don't mean to be part of the story, but um, it ended up that Darren and Christian were in the film because of their experiences to tell the story. That's it's a very compelling. It's a very compelling it's amazing. film for that reason. No. It's very know it's, uh, powerful. It's it's crazy over there, and I know that for a fact because I know the time that I've been in and out. I mean, it's like you know, they claim their democracy and stuff like that. So this kind of like what you did kind of reminds me of what was that film that recently they weren't going to release in the United States? It was on the Korean got um, journalist oh, that was killed. Yeah. Yeah, this, that's, it's Franco. kind of like a conspiracy thing. This is like really right. crazy, and you know the thing is, uh, people don't realize when we're in um, the media industry, as you are, and Spencer is, and myself, and other people, we get the truth out there. And you know, it's like a lot of times things could be covered up, and they want it to go away. But you know, it's really funny. Third world countries, you know, and and countries, you know, outside of the United States, like Tibet, and um, and and another one is Bangkok. Um, I wouldn't even go there. A friend of mine passed away there, and it was very under very weird circumstances. And we got his body out of there really fast. So um, wow. I can just tell you that it's you know, um, you know, you have to be careful when you're going. So filming for you. As a woman, I mean, you have, you know, you're 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 a very talented person. You obviously, you've written um, a book. I know about your mother, Memoirs of Obliviation, which was about your mother's, yeah, memoir. You know, (laughs) your mother's ski accident. I guess I don't have a shortage of taking on big corporations and government. (laughs) Oh my God. I believe I believe in, in giving a voice to people who don't maybe have a voice if I have a voice to give. And you know, in this mm-hmm. in the situation in the situation with Tibet, I was I felt very strongly despite, you know, any kind of personal danger that I might have been in, that it was important, like you said, to kind of protect free speech and give a voice to disenfranchised people that don't have a voice and try mm-hmm. to help people like because of the film for instance, um Gonza Wang Chen, who was a filmmaker who made kind of a reality series of what it was like to live in Tibet. He was sentenced mm-hmm. to 10 years in prison and tortured, and he's still in prison. And and um, we were able to, you know, talk to the U.S. embassies here to get his wife and his three children amnesty in America so they weren't in danger anymore. So it's like if if I can help one person with something that I can do – 
that I feel like I should do the project, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know, oh, well, you sound like, was. you sound, yeah, no, you sound like the perfect, the perfect person to do this too, because you, you know, get the word out there. Now, um, you created your Southeastern Film Festival in 2013, so this is your second year you're doing it, and I know you have over 1,300 submissions from 44 countries, and um, so I know that you're a big independent, you, you support a lot of independent films, so I know I do. you do a 30-day 30 <laughs> 30, 30 fee entry. Um, you know, that's crazy. That's That's amazing. So why don't you and Spencer talk a little bit about the Southeastern Film Festival? I know I'm a judge on that, so too. So I, wanna... I know. Thank you for being part of it. it really yeah, that's right, Holly. Yeah. We, we, we you know, like for to you win. to jump in and, and support, <laughs> we really appreciate it. And Spencer, but, too, I love that you're part of it and that you see the value in, you know, what we're trying to do with bringing independent films to smaller towns in the South. I, I think what I what drew me into it was the fact that what it was, you know, I had a feeling it had this potential. And when I talked to you, Lee, it was like this thing where we're going into the southeast. And, you know, I, I brought up Nashville right away with you, and we and you totally got into this. And that's what I thought was going to – and that's what it's being. Um, and I think what it is is exposing um, new film in a way – uh, and the structure, that's the other thing that we have, right, Lee? It's kind of like South by Southwest. Remember you brought up the other night on the phone, you said Sundance well, and South like a, by Southwest. Well, it's like a combination of uh, yeah. like a European film festival. We right. chose judges, not just strictly film judges, but judges from other areas of the arts. Because I think that, you know, as an artist, and I do more than one thing, I think that, you know, a lot of people in different areas of media and different areas of art bring a lot to the table in terms right. of their perspective. So we chose a series of 75 judges who all, you know, had different areas of expertise in film and television and writing and producing and, you know, um, design and art. It was um, radio, you know, it was, uh, it was just like a really amazing group of people. And I think that that allowed us, and the, with the people who judged, it allowed us to have, you know, a really great, Program because of everyone's input into the festival. And, I think what's um, really amazing. I think what's really amazing too, and I got to emphasize this: the amount of films that were entered, which is quite a thing for the first year, rightly uh, seventeen, thirteen hundred, whatever. You it know, was that over amount seventeen hundred, but it was thirteen hundred yeah. filmmakers. A lot of people entered more than one right. project because we had the right. free entry. But that's which, amazing. I think it's great. The amount of film for the first year, a first year. You know what I mean? That's very impressive. Well, it was Yeah, um, no. Absolutely. And you know what I wanted to do real quick before we get into this? Let's give the website out for everyone that wants to go to the website. It is southeasternfilm.com and you can, you know, watch actually our online festival. We have some films that some of the filmmakers have allowed their films to be streamed online, so you can watch some of the highlight films on the website even. Yep. And the other thing I want to bring in about the festival, and Lee is added to this uh, with me, um, is that it's going to be something like South by Southwest structure where we're going to have music, film, and art. So it's going to be like a combo thing in a number of days, right, Lee? Like that. Yes, we wanted to, we, we didn't want it to just be one thing because I feel like music so much a part of film and so right. is art. 
so I wanted to try to, you know, make it a more inclusive festival. So it was all of it together and an opportunity to kind of bring artists together. I think that when I go to festivals, and I've been to a number of film festivals, that the best thing about it is when you can go in and you can meet a lot of people who are like-minded, creative individuals. And, and I like the idea of the festival being able to kind of be designed to host that kind of environment. And you mm-hmm. should talk about the Georgia the Georgia uh, festival you just came from, right? It's the first southeast. Yes, we just right? did. A, yeah, just I want to hear what you're currently working this on. Year, it was it was uh, in Dahlonega, Georgia, which is a small mountain town. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the center of the gold rush in Georgia, so it's an old mining town, and it has a lot of buildings from like the 1800s. But uh, the University of North Georgia hosted the festival, and along with the um, Lumpkin County Chamber of Commerce, and they we were able to show um, 45 films from 24 countries in a long weekend, and we had um, over 1,200 tickets sold, and a lot of people came up from Atlanta that were involved in some of the TV shows here, um, and also um, a production company called Whitestone Pictures that's been working on a lot of projects here. They came and did an industry panel we had a lot of support from, you know, the local Southeastern filmmakers. And we also had um, Michael Ely, who's a screenwriter in L.A., come to see us because he's writing in the Blue Ridge area. It was just like a incredible, you know, experience just to have um, such a great group of people come and then also have, you know, people from all areas of, that, of North Georgia come and, you know, see films that they would never have the chance to see otherwise because independent film doesn't have a distribution channel in smaller towns in the South. So it's hard for them to see, you know, these types of projects. Yeah, and I think it's great. Also, the website also has a lot of information. Um, I want to ask you right now, besides the one documentary that you're almost completing, what are you currently working on? Because I know that you are an accomplished author. Besides that, you're an artist, which is great. Um, what are you currently working on right now that you want to share with our listeners? I'm actually um, finishing a novel called The Invisible State, and it is mm-hmm. um, it's kind of it's something I haven't written this kind of genre before, but it's a action adventure novel that's kind of like Indiana Jones meets Lord of the Rings, if I can picture like a movie. Oh wow! <laughs> but it's uh, it has like a it has a female Indiana Jones as the protagonist, and it's. Uh, takes place in South America. And then um, Spencer and I were actually working on a project about vinyl records, and uh, Mm -hmm. we're in development with that. And then Mm -hmm. um, I was working on actually a horror film based on true story, but I can't give too much away because it's based on a true story. (laughs) Right. Sure. No, no, no. But it was uh, going to be scary. (laughs) I oh I I love scary movies, but I have to tell you that I know the real Indiana Jones. There's a real no, Indiana Jones. Swear to God, there's I'd a like real Indiana Jones. He just I found. No idea. Listen to this. He just found the desk on um, that Jack London wrote, wrote Call of the Wild on in um, Jack London Estate. He found it out in the middle of nowhere just by going by clues of how he wrote in his books and his novels and stuff like that. And um, he goes to different countries and finds um, 
unfounded species of fish and um, amphibians and things like that and brings them back, um, he's able to do that and names them and um, new species. And just, it's amazing. It's like, you know, this person just does a lot of really cool stuff. So if you ever want to get in touch with him, I can talk to you about that off the air. Maybe you can get yes, some insight from him to. because I think he would be a really good read for you um, and some, give you maybe some really good insight because he's an amazing, ama- unbelievable. I mean, the stories he's told me that he's gone through. It sounds amazing. Uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing when, you know, as a writer, I do tons mm-hmm. of research about what I'm writing on. You know, talking to experts is right up there on my list of things to do. I would love that. Well, I, is it okay if I pass his, um, your phone number on to him to give him, yes, have him of course. in touch with you? Yes, Okay, I love perfect. That. And we'll talk afterwards um, by email about that because uh, I don't want to talk about it too much on the air. But, yeah, he's he's doing some really amazing things. And, uh, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. But I That's know that great. you and Spencer are working on this really cool project on vinyl, which I think is really cool um, because with his 545 book that he did and then tying it into all the different people that have vinyl collections. And we recently did an interview with a gentleman who had um, Dustin Grooves. Yeah, so we found out there were record collectors all over the world. So this would be cool. (laughs) It's incredible. Well, this is really, I mean, Spencer and I talk a lot about um, vinyl records, but Spencer is one of, he's there from the ground floor. Spencer, why don't you mm-hmm. talk about, oh, I mean, he's done every, he's designed so many album covers and he's mm-hmm. been part of the industry. It's like Spencer really inspired me to want to tell the story about the vinyl. That vinyl, yeah, the will. vinyl revolution. Because it's, not, know, it's then, not just one thing. Yeah, it's a lot, it's like the history of it, right? It's kind of like, it's, there's a lot of things involved. It's um, Judith and I were in a book uh, was in a, actually a book that Angel Ito did in England on vinyl. It was a book, and way the way it was constructed was the history of vinyl, interviews with people on vinyl, all different areas of vinyl, designers on vinyl, everything. And I thought, well, the film, and I think Lee agrees with this, is different sides of it, and even sound, right? With, with uh, you, met, oh, tell the story how you met uh, Jack Douglas. Oh, that was really funny. I was oh, at yeah, the Savannah Film that. Festival. I was yeah, at yeah. the Savannah yeah. Film Festival. And oh, you love this. I got, I got involved in another crazy situation where I was. Uh, I met this girl who, her friend was actually kidnapped by ISIS in the Middle East, and we were going to try to do an interview to help get him released, but sadly he <sighs> was killed. But it was, um, I was sorry. waiting in my car. I know it's awful. I, I don't mean to say it. It's just maybe because I worked in the news. I was, it's just, you know, we were trying really hard, but, you know, it doesn't always work out, you know, in the good way. But um, I was standing in the in the car, the line to get my car, and I'm standing next to Jack Douglas, who's like <laughs> this legend, and I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, I'm kind of friendly, and I'm just talking to him for a second. I'm like, you know, what are you doing at the festival? And he just tells me who he is and what he's done, and he's like the fifth member of Aerosmith, and I'm just like, wow. <laughs> I just ran mm-hmm. into you waiting for my car, <laughs> and then he. I told him about the film, and he loved the idea. And he 
he's on the um he's on the list of he's on the agreed list. to do an interview. But um, you know, it's just kind of I think when I don't know, as a filmmaker, when things like that happen, I call it like serendipity. I think yeah. that projects are kind of meant to be that eventually they'll they'll work out somehow. You know, Josh's really sense. cool. We're friends. Yeah. I friends know with him he's on so nice too. Yeah, he's a good guy. But uh, he's, he's amazing. We have a lot of different people. Story. We have a we have a lot of different vinyl people involved. If, if, mm-hmm. if we get this thing off the ground, right, Lee? I mean, there's different areas oh of vinyl. We know, have right? well, we have so many amazing people on the list that we were thinking about doing a companion book where we would take the interviews that we did from for the film. Right. And whatever we didn't use, we'd make it into the longer form book for people who are really big fans of final in general. Oh yeah, no, that'd be that'd be really cool. That'd be really cool and, to have a book to go along with the film and stuff like that. You know, I, I like the fact that you cover such a vast, a vast, um, you know, different subjects. Um, you know, when you know going to different film festivals, you know, and going and going to Tibet and. Um, I want to know more about um, the stuff that you've done uh, when you've received, you know, you've received a bunch of films from countries that were under sanctions like North Korea and Iran where filmmakers don't have credit cards and can't even own our festivals. So you've been able to get their work into your festival, which is really cool. It so, was really cool. It wasn't even, we didn't even do that on purpose. It just was kind of a byproduct of offering the free entry but uh-huh. I realized how many films we got from these countries, and then I realized it was like a light bulb went off, and I was like, oh, my gosh, they can't enter other festivals. And so we're getting these films, and we ended up premiering a film that a female director from Iran worked on for, like, 10 years about her dad being killed during the, in 1979 during the the revolution when the Shah died. Wow. And so a lot of history. Like, Really yeah. amazing that, and she did an animation that was incredible. And it was, and we showed it in Zalonaga, you know. And we brought her, I mean, we brought her film to a place where no one would be able to see that story otherwise. So I feel really good about the fact that, you know, that was something that happened because we did the festival, and that we we can kind of give a voice to these filmmakers, and also, you know, maybe change the perspective of someone in this world that, you know, wants to listen to a different side of the story. Right. You know, that's, that's amazing. I want to make another really quick announcement that if you missed the beginning of the show, this show will be available on iTunes afterwards and on demand on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio under the Indie Cafe. Um, today we have Ava Lee Stewart um, on the Indie Cafe about the Southeastern Film Festival. You're a film, an author, and so much more, and Spencer Drake. And, um, you know, I want to, I want to get back to... Um, one thing that you talked about that's very, that's kind of interesting to me. Um, you had a friend. You said that um, uh, somebody was kidnapped by ISIS. Yeah, we. It was. It was not actually a friend. It was a girl I met at the festival. Okay. And, um, I met her at one of the after parties of the Savannah Film Festival, and she mm-hmm. came up to me and she knew about my work. And yep. she said she told me the story of her friend. His name was Peter, and mm-hmm. um, and she just uh, and I, I Jeremy Miller, 
my director of photography from Paradise Garden, and the, we worked together a lot. He's a friend. He was there, and I and I we were sitting there, and she told us both the story, and we both just said, you know, we want to try to help whatever we can do. So now was Peter the one that was the guide? That. Was he the one that was the guide that was captured in the mountains? He was actually Peter was doing humanitarian work in Syria, yeah. and yeah. he I don't know if he was a guide, but I know he had started a nonprofit. He actually has it's strange enough that he had a connection to Savannah, Georgia. He worked at the bar that this girl owned, and so for like oh, wow. three years before he went over to Syria, he, he went to school I think, and then he went over to Syria to start this nonprofit, and um, and then he um, you know was captured for and he's in captivity for I think over a year before he was supposedly it's killed you know deceased, they're not even yeah sure. but I mean yeah um we talked a lot with some people who run non-government organizations NGOs mm-hmm. about um about doing the campaign to kind of you know on Facebook and on social media to try to help mm-hmm. gain awareness and um it I was, think everyone's it aware now been, well, now, yeah. <laughs> I mean, before, yeah. and so it was, uh, I think that uh, in a way they were saying it's probably better not to make too big of a deal out yep. of someone who's been kidnapped because the leverage for negotiation changes, but um, it does. Know, we we didn't know that, and we but we did the interview with her because we were there, and then we ended up finding that out, but right at that same time, um, there was a video that came up that he was he was killed. Yeah, well, that so, that sucks. You know, I know your background. It's been very in, bad. In, yeah. Well, you've been with but, CNN. You, know, you started your career on CNN, right? I did. I started. So you saw a lot. A, I started yeah. as a production designer, and okay. before the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan and all these conflicts were going on, I think you know it was kind of a quiet time. But then. Um, you know, I was there a few years, and then the war, the war in Afghanistan started, and or 9/11 happened, and then the war in Afghanistan started. But it was, uh, I covered the war in Iraq too. We um, did kind of the first um, live coverage of a war in real time, wow. which was really a challenge. Were you there? Were you actually on the ground with it in Iraq? No, no, I was in Atlanta in the CNN newsroom. But um, mm-hmm. I worked a lot with people that were there. Um, the number of CNN reporters were invited Project. with the troops or over there, but um, it was uh, it was definitely one of the biggest personal challenges because mm-hmm. I was really young at that time, and to go through you know seeing that kind of um, conflict and and people's lack of compassion for one another and what mm-hmm. happens you know during a war it was it's definitely and I don't think I don't think that the ever average person in, in America probably really understands how ugly war is. You know, I think people who served in our military, and I commend them for that, and people who are in journalism especially are kind of on the front lines of it that see things differently than kind of the overall, you know, what you kind of see in passing in the news. But um, it was, you know, we, I feel like we helped a lot of people in some ways and then other ways, you know, it was just a hard story to cover. But well, you know, I, think- I know I want to bring I want to bring up something you're bringing out, which I think is really important. This country, mm-hmm. as a whole, historically, is totally different. We've been very spoiled. We haven't had battles or or things like that. Where other countries like Israel and now 
France and England, you know, are blow, you blow up in a coffee shop, and all the, people are surrounded over there with constant stuff going sporadically. Where we are here, thank God we're fortunate. We have whatever's going on is really cool for security, but we are not brought up that way, right, Lee? I mean, kind of like right. those other people have seen it so many times. Israel, look at Israel. I mean, every day it's like a missile coming. You know, it's like to me, it's like. And other countries now. I mean, and you hear it in Paris, and you hear it in England, and they blew up the subways, and uh, once in a while something else. This country doesn't have. Nine Eleven was big. I, I got to you know. Mm, 9/11, I think Nine Eleven really opened eyes for a lot of people here it does, to really not, see what terrorism not, really was. It's still not. Mm-hmm. It's still not like other countries, mm-hmm. Holly. It's, the other countries. No, are it's not. Around. I agree. But but yeah yeah yeah. So it's like, but uh, you know, it's interesting that way. And I think Lee, you're talking about that where. Iraq or Afghanistan, I mean, they wake up in the morning, bullets are flying. I mean, Judith, my partner, was brought up during the Hungarian Revolution. So she she said there were bullets flying through her apartment. That's what she was brought up with. So her mother took her and they escaped, you know, the Russians invading Hungary. But, you know, people who live that life, I mean, it's totally different than over here. And it's a totally we're, different we're, call for them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, anyway. we want to thank you so much uh, for being able to do that. I I also read yeah. that you, in 2002, worked on the Terror on Tape special report, which you coordinated and won the Peabody Award, and then also the 2004 The War in Iraq special, who watched, who won, that also won the Epi for overall network TV cable Internet service and best internet special feature. I mean, you've done a lot of, you've got a lot of awards with different things like on humanitarianism. So, well, and, and you know that was that's not just me. I was on the team. You know, I was on a team that did uh-huh. that. But it was, uh, you know, I think with um, CNN during that time in particular because it was a 24-hour news network for hotels all over the world. They had mm-hmm. incredible access to, you know, resources and people that other networks didn't have at that time. Mm-hmm. So we were able to kind of tell a more compelling version of the story than, um, you know, maybe other networks at that time. And I think uh, the, you know, especially because CNN.com at that point in time was pretty much one of the biggest news sites in the world. And um, we were we had a lot of technology in place. So, like, when the um, tsunami hit um, India and, you know, Asia, um, we were able to do, um, you know, a blog where people, the survivors, could communicate with each other because of the technology that was in place. So it's really, I mean, it's a testament to the people that worked there and kind of the infrastructure they put in place for news gathering that, you know, we were able to tell such compelling stories. And, you know, it's nice to be recognized because news works so fast, you don't even have time to sleep almost, you know. Mm-hmm. So you don't really notice. You know, you just do the best you can with what you have that day, which I think is a good – I learned a lot working there. I I joke, uh, you know, when you work at CNN, you've, been, you've learned a lot <laughs> to be able to – Well, you know, how did you, how did you go to CNN? What, what's your background? I mean, how did you get interested as a young adult in the news? Did you always want to tell the truth and have a story and have some – kind of create uh, um, a situation where people could see the truth and know the truth? Is that kind of where you went from this? 
I feel like I started off as an artist and, mm-hmm. you know, I actually, you know, started production design and I ended up, um, you know, becoming more interested in, in kind of writing and news gathering type stories when I was working at CNN. I think that shaped kind of, you know, me telling stories visually, you know, not just it combining art and writing together in a visual way. I think that was the start of my interest. And then, um, when I left CNN, I went to film school and wanted I wanted to tell, you know, a longer form story because news is a very quick cycle and you don't really mm-hmm. get to follow up all the time and tell kind of the story over time, which I think it is a very interesting part of the story is how it evolves. And, you know, some stories have a clear ending, some keep going, but um, I, you know, that was one of the reasons why I like doing the documentaries I've done because, you know, we could tell a story kind of in a snapshot and take people into another world that they might not ever be able to experience otherwise. When you were younger, were you always interested in, in what was happening in the world or were, um, what was I've it always, like for you? I feel like I've, I think I think I have an insatiable curiosity for life. <laughs> I just uh-huh. want to know about everything. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I think my parents were like, "Stop asking questions." <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, like I would ask, you know, where did God come from, or some terrible thing to Sunday school teachers or whatever. You know, it's like, I don't know. I I feel like. Uh, I I definitely have always been this way, and it just keeps getting, you know, every day I I feel like, and I'm reminded every day that you really do learn something new every day. I mean, there's something that comes up, and that happens to me so much that, and I I really kind of think of it as a gift when I learn something new. I'm like, wow, that's so interesting, you know? Like, I didn't know know. there was a real Indiana Jones. Oh, totally, (laughs) totally, and and I'm going to hook you up with him. You know, I want to ask you, with the world the way it is today, besides we know about what's happening in the, um, you know, in Iran and with ISIS and stuff like that, um, what else is going on that you would maybe want to explore going into doing more uh, documentary um, on? Because I know that you're finishing your one on Paradise Garden, and I know that's really artsy and kind of really heavy, focusing on one person. Um and and then also then you go into the creative side with the vinyl with Spencer and stuff like that. Is there anything that you would want or that you haven't covered that you'd like to discover and, and know a little bit more about? I feel like uh, in a way stories find you. And mm-hmm. and I think at this point in my career, because I did so many hard-hitting stories that were very difficult I wanted to do something lighthearted, and when the Howard Fenster Project came along, I was excited about telling a story that had really positive messages and interesting stories that way. And then I, you know, I did a comedy feature called South of Southern. It's kind of a joke about, you know, Southern society, and it's an ensemble kind of cast TV show. And then um, I did, you know, the vinyl film. I just loved the idea of capturing that moment in history because I love vinyl records and I loved it when I was a kid, the experience. And then meeting Spencer and hearing all the stories that he has, it's like I've in meeting the people that he worked with for the film. I think it'll be an, an incredible project, but, um, oh, yeah. you know, I don't, you know, it's like the next story that I want to tell, I, I feel like it'll, it'll come to me there. I read a lot, you know, magazines, books and, 
you know, something would strike me and then I would feel kind of compelled that that seemed like a really great story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So are I guess you, I can't predict. <laughs> no, it, I, I totally get it because it's like with Spencer and I, things change all the time. And we never know what we're going to be covering. And, you know, how did we know certain people were going to be here today and then gone tomorrow? It's like, you know, we we do interviews with somebody and then we hear like, you know, maybe a couple months later or six months later that person's not here anymore on this earth. And it kind of like hits us, you know, because we were able and like you said, how you were moved so much by the people that really experienced the war and stuff and it really impacted you and you got to see that. I can totally relate to that because I know a lot of people that, you know, I've talked to vets, I've talked to different people and I know how it's affected their long feel about their quality of life right now. Um, so yes, definitely. And I think I think for me, you know, being able to make films is cathartic in that way, or writing is cathartic in that way. That you know, I work through things as an artist through my work. Mhm. Yeah, I think that's important. Well, you know, I want to ask you. Hello. Hello. Are you there? Hello. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Oh, hi. Hello, hello. Hello. Can you hear me? <laughs> Why is he yeah. saying hello? Oh, I thought it was silence. It was silence for a while. There was silence? Yeah, yeah, the phones yeah. Are being, the silence. phones are being tapped again, okay? <laughs> yeah. I we've talked about some reactionary topics. We're being on surveillance now. Oh, um, right. no, we've talked about some things here <laughs> that I'm sure that um, some people have probably wanted to Really, you know, I, I can remember, oh, this is funny. You're going to laugh. I was supposed to have an interview with Deidre Capone one day. And wow. I was telling Spencer this. Yeah. And yes. it was, and Al Capone was her uncle, or is her <laughs> uncle. And she wrote a book, My Uncle Al. And it was all about Al Capone and Valentine's Day Massacre and all that. And, and the day I was supposed to do the interview... It was like right before, like five minutes before the interview, I couldn't get an internet, I couldn't get connection to my studio. Oh my God. And uh, there was no problem with the um, uh, cable company or my studio or anything. And then uh, probably about 10 minutes before the show was going to end, it came back online. And she had the same problem that morning in the city to do an interview on with, I think it was CBS. So um, obviously wow. somebody didn't want her to tell her story. Yeah, and her book's out there. But, um, you know, your book. Now I want to read I wanna, it. I can't wait to read yeah, it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'll, make sure you get, I'll make sure I get you one. Um, it's a really That's good funny. book, too, by the way. Um, oh, you are on Amazon. Your books are on yeah. Amazon. I've seen them on Amazon, and they're really cool. And your art, I know. I, I was reading also something about you, and your um, sculpture was chosen for the Red Bull Art of Can competition. It was. It was. You're uh, about that. Cool. It was a crazy. Well, it was That's just, cool. I saw the advertisement to do the competition, and I had this idea uh-huh. to create like this windmill out of Red Bull cans because the idea of energy being ubiquitous and 
energy never dies kind of thing. And so I guess they liked it. So I That's got into right. competition. I was, but did, it was, you a, uh, did you get a bunch of Red Bull? Yeah. You know, I didn't get a bunch of Red Bull. I but I, did, I went to a, a friend of mine who drinks a bunch of Red Bull because I don't actually drink a bunch of Red Bull, but uh-huh. I have to admit that. But uh, it's uh, it was really fun to do. I mean, I hadn't I've never done anything out of cans figurative like that. So it was a ch- I like to do things that are different, that are challenge. You know, if I've never done it, I want to try it. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Imagine that. But it was a fun <laughs> thing. But and you know, with art, I think you know the more creative and out of the box, as Spencer likes to say, that you can get, I think the yep. more interesting your art becomes. That's exactly why I'm with Lee, because between the both of us being visionary type people, and I know Holly's that way, too, it's just a great collaboration, you know. It's fun to to talk to someone who doesn't have any, like, creative boundaries, and you just keep going with that, (laughs) because there's no telling where you're going to end up, and it could be something really great. Yeah, has a lot to do with it. Has a lot to do with life, right? It does. I think I would like to see, you know what, Lee, you're, um, you know, when when you come out with the book on the vinyl, I'm sure it's going to be very colorful because the album covers are going to be really neat. And I'm sure then also, Spence, you're going to probably do something with the film. I, I'm really interested to see how the film comes out. And how you guys are going to interview everybody for that? That's that's something that I'm looking forward to, and I'm really looking forward to seeing your Paradise Gardens film. When do you think that's going to be finished? Well, the film the film is finished pretty much. We just haven't gotten distribution yet. That's settled. Mm-hmm. You know, have a date of release, but um, we do have a Facebook page, Paradise Garden Film, and we have a okay. website, censorfilm.com. And we update all of our screenings, and they're pretty much across the U.S. now at different times, different cities, whenever we can get into a festival or schedule something at an independent theater. And hopefully by the end of this year, we'll have it available for people to purchase the DVD and on-demand kind of version of it. Yeah, no, and I think that's really important. Um, Now on... Tell me about with the Southeastern Film Festival this year. Um, did, what was fun about that? I mean, did you get you got to see a lot of films from a lot of different places that you never thought you'd see? You know, I was actually really um, touched that a lot of the filmmakers came to the festival that were mm-hmm. in the area, or even drove from you know other states to come and represent their films, and it was really great to do the Q and A's and talk to them about their work and you know, here they're working on their stories. I and I think that it's you know, it's fun for them to have the opportunity to, you know, talk to the audiences and, you know, get feedback and have questions and, you know, make those connections. Because at the end of the day, all of us that are in this kind of creative field, you know, in entertainment, I think we all have stories to tell and we want them to be out there. So it's nice when, you know, that part of the festival was really fun for me to watch that happening. Yeah. 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 No. And and did you ever did you get to speak with many of the people that made the films and their ideas behind the reason why they? I did. And actually, Spencer and I were talking about doing a podcast. Maybe that uh, we talked to them 
in depth and put it on the website um, because there's so many great stories from all the filmmakers. And there's so many I'm filmmakers. sure the inspiration that came behind everything and the reasons why things happened. Um, and now, when is the next festival? And um, can you tell us a little bit about if anything's going to change or what you're adding to it for this year, for this coming year? Uh, so the festival, the whole idea of the Southeastern Film Festival is it's not in one location, that we bring the festival to the people, we bring it to the town. So we're going to Nashville next in November, and we're going to actually extend it by a couple of days so we can show 80 films instead of to double the amount of films we're showing. Right, right. And, um, from more, I would think it was 32 countries, but don't hold me to that because I might be wrong because I haven't done the full program yet for the November festival. But it's, um, I think it's going to be a great festival. We have a lot of musicians interested in coming down to play. And um, Spencer and I are talking about, you know, putting together some art shows during the time too. So I think it's going to be amazing. I'm really excited about it, but we're yeah, still planning really it. Cool. I mean, that Nashville, the thing about Nashville, which is great now, and I was down there years ago with the country area. Well, you know, that's a very big country, obviously. Is that it's a mixture now of all kinds of music now. You go down, it, Nashville is just a crossover uh, from punk to country. And and it's like everybody down there is in this whole world of that. And it's hard to explain why I'm looking forward to going down there is not only what we have, but also to mix into the culture, you know, because... I try. You can't describe. I'm sure Holly knows this, and, and Lee, you you know this. When I was down there, you, you cannot express what these people are like in Nashville. They are brought up right in a culture from when they were a baby up to right in, in, into the culture of music. Right? It's, it's different, and it it's so different. wonderful. Right? This the energy there. Right. It's, it's a really great, it's a really interesting place because so many musicians from so many different places are there. I mean, it's like right, right. you know every every studio musician that you know comes there at some point. I think to record. I just talked to um, an actress and a musician named Alicia Witt. She's in a lot of movies, but she was at the Sarasota Film Festival and uh, she recorded her album in Nashville. That she's based in Los Angeles. I think a lot of people come to. Uh, you know, national just to record their albums. I've heard people yeah. say that they can accomplish so much more with the musicians there because of just the level of talent that's available. I mean, I know so many people down there now in Nashville. They've all like, and they've moved. Some people that I know that uh, Judith and I worked on as musicians are that they are they've moved into Nashville. You know what I mean? As as just a place to because of the networking of songwriters and musicians, it's just unreal there. I, so I'm looking forward to going down there just for and that and what we're doing. You know, it's like a mixture of everything. And of course, well, you have Jack White. You have Jack White down there. You got City Winery. You got all this. And we're hooked up with City Winery. I don't know if I told you, Lee. I hooked up with City Winery up here. They said they'll be connecting with us on the on the festival. You know. Oh, that's fantastic! No, you yeah. didn't tell me. I'm very yeah. excited. I love the City Winery. In they have one here excited. in Napa too now. A City Winery. Oh, do they? That's yeah, amazing. they do. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. all over. That and the Napa amazing. Film Festival is coming up too. You know, I wish yeah, that we right. entered the Napa Film Festival. <laughs> I could. I the Napa uh, Film Festival is good this left. year, but definitely the Napa Film Festival is like happening. 
Mm-hmm. I um I hope to enter that one for next year. We I love Napa. <laughs> it's a great place to visit. <laughs> um, but the um I was gonna say, Spencer, when you're talking about the Nashville filmmakers, that um the Orphan Brigade, one of the Southeastern Film Festival um 2015 selections, it was a producer from Nashville who made a movie about Nashville musicians going to a haunted house in Kentucky. Oh really? Um, and making an album. It was the one wow. it was an incredible documentary about you know music and you know spirituality and and oh, like the, an architectural history. It was such an interesting film that it's going to play again there. So oh, cool. they filmed their Great. they did their they filmed their video in a haunted house. Well, it was a feature documentary film, but what it was is there's an octagon house in Kentucky, and uh-huh. so. Um, this one guy, Joshua Britt, who is one of the directors, he went up there with the group of musicians to record this album because they like the acoustics of this building, this octagon house. It's from like the 1800s. And, um, oh, interesting. And yeah. they went up and they found that like they're recording like what <clears throat> the ghost hunters called EVPs or the the paranormal sounds like the whispers. Yeah, the, the sounds they sounds. make. Uh huh. Uh huh. Recorded on the during the album recording and so they told the story to a bunch of people that are were involved with, you know, Nashville music scene and so all these artists kept coming up there to see what was going on. So it ended up being like kind of this giant ensemble artistic album because, you know, there are a lot of artists with big cameos that came up to see hear about the ghost. <laughs> it was so interesting. Wow, that was great. The movie's great. Oh wow. And it's, uh, they have an album that is a companion to the movie that they recorded at the house, and it's the band or the album is called The Orphan Brigade. So, oh wow, how cool, how cool is that? <laughs> it was, but that's just like one of the films in the festival. There's every, I mean, it's like it's so hard when you are a filmmaker and you know you're working on the film program because you mm-hmm. know you want to support everyone, but there's so many great films. I was really amazed, actually. That's yeah, that's awesome. the thing that that the films that were edited down, right, Lee, were all really good into the whatever you're showing. So that's, I mean, they're all that's, good. that's what you want to have, you know what I mean? It's like... It, it was be... really hard to judge. <laughs> it's really <laughs> hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, it, it, it's like uh, with all the, you know, judges and different levels, it, that's what made it such a great program, everybody's input. It was just like everyone together made it so, you know, made it so that we chose like the best, the best uh, submissions. I think. Yeah, I want to say hello to Rod. If you're listening, Roddy Bagua, thank you so much. He was a great judge, Roddy. Right? He judged a lot of films. I called him a super judge. He judged a ton of films, which I appreciated. He judged way more than we asked him to. He he just kept judging. Every every judge I want to thank on the show that judge, including Holly and everybody else. You know, Definitely. Wonderful. Yeah. You well, know. that's awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today, and I want to ask you um, if there's anything you'd like to say to our listeners before Spence and I go into our pop culture news today. And we are going to end the show today with a B-52 song. Um, oh, good. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, do you want to do you want to um, hang out for our pop culture news? 
Sure, I'd love to. And if, okay, you, if cool. people want to connect with me, they can find me on Facebook at Ava Lee Stewart if they want to write me a message okay. or ask me questions. And if they would like to get any of your books, she's on Amazon. You can go to Amazon, and I've posted the link. And also, um, you um, also have uh, quite a lot of stuff on the film industry um, network, so anyone can look up uh, Ava Lee Stewart, and that's A-V-A, and then L-E-I-G-H, and then S-T-E-W-A-R-T. And uh, we're really excited about um, the Southeastern Film Festival. We've been talking about it all year, and I know Spence has been really excited about it. So we are going to go into pop culture news, so you can hang out and listen to us as we talk about that. And um, you'll you'll be on with us. Okay, so everyone, um, hold on, and we're going to go into pop culture news. Who wants yesterday's paper? Who wants yesterday's gun? Who wants yesterday's paper? Nobody in the world. Mark Geary, 
from Ireland, an amazing songwriter, musician, and uh, Red Fall, I'm sorry, Reed Fall was at City Winery, and he is an amazing performer also, uh, someone to be, re- both of those artists to be reckoned with, uh, Bill. And uh, I also went to Danny Clinch, the great rock photographer, had a show at Milk Studio, and he's a great rock photographer, has a new book out. Um, and we all know that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just happened. Inductees Lou Reed and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts that Judith and I designed for. And they're, they have a whole, uh, like a museum there that's out for the inductees, which is quite a show. And um, the next thing I think I want to talk about is we had Bob Gruen on, and Yoko Ono will have an event at MoMA in May. So that, that about covers some of the stuff that happened out out here, you know. Yeah, no. Um what's happening on your what's happening on in, in your area? Um Lee, what's happening in your area? Anything cool? Any art openings um, or anything? You know, there was actually something cool. They're doing a, a week long like museum appreciation event. So all the museums in Atlanta are ha- hosting like a uh, half price deals or deals for people to go. Mm. Which is an interesting thing. Wow! <laughs> I don't have a lot of. Pol- I'm not prepared for my newscast. Oh no! <laughs> don't even worry about it. Well, you know, that's just something I happened to see and I thought yeah, was no, interesting. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I love well, museums, so I was excited. So I know it's the High Museum and the Botanical Gardens, but that's all I have. <laughs> I have. I have another thing I want to mention. There's going to be a Ramon show for the mm-hmm. 40th anniversary of the Ramones in Queens in next year, and. Judith and I have been asked She's to playing. put our Ramones, our, our Ramones covers in it, which will be very kind of cool. And it should be a really big show. You know what I mean? Here, Who's going to be playing the show? Do you know? Have no. It's so early now, Holly. I just got mm-hmm. I just got word of it through our friend Monty Melnick, who oh, cool. uh, told me about. The show I wonder if Richie's going to be involved. Because Richie's on tour well, right you now. Know that, I don't know. You know, it's interesting because he's looking. The curator is looking for different things, different objects, different things. Mm-hmm. So. He may, I don't know where he's going, but I'll fill oh, you cool. in as it goes around. It won't be till next year, but, you know, uh, already I've got to get sort of credits and some covers uh, into him to know. But it's going to be a big, I think it's going to be a very big show, you know, in a Queens Museum in New mm-hmm. York. So that's something new that just popped up. That's that awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Earth Day in... Um I think a lot of people are celebrating Earth Day everywhere. I don't know if anybody's gone out and I know Friday I think is Arbor Day. You're supposed to plant a tree. So oh, really? Go, yeah, go plant a tree and, you know, um spread plant your seeds, you know, along the way. And um there's not really I mean, it's kinda like really right now everything's kinda like Moving along out in on the West Coast, a lot of people are announcing tours and getting ready to go on tour, and a lot of people are coming into town. I know Richie's going to be out in this area towards, well, he was out here, and then he's going to be back out here towards the end of the week. And I know there are a lot of other people that are out here and starting new projects, and, um, you know, really mainly um, the area is really just shaking and 
going with everything. There's lots of really cool new movies out that are coming. And speaking about film, there's a lot of independent films that are coming out. We have a small independent film uh, theater in town that plays a lot of indie movies that come out from local people. And so that's happening. Um, And there's not really a lot happening, right, like this week, but um, there will be quite a lot happening towards, you know, as we get into summer. You know, you've got Bottle Rock coming up where pretty much everyone's coming out and playing this year. Um, You know, last year we had Heart. I think this year there's quite a lot of – I'm I'm looking right now just to see who's going to be playing – and Bottle Rock is a, a kind of a cool concert um, because they have a lot of really major acts coming out. And it's kind of cool because not only, um, you know, it's it's going to be on, in May next month. There's going to be a really, Robert Plant's playing, um, No Doubt, Tangerine Dream. Oh, my God. Snoop Dogg. Yeah, wow. Gypsy King. That's a great um, one. Foster. Um, Michael Franti, which is great. Um uh, Zizi Ward, um, Chris Robertson's going to be out here, which is really cool. Um, also, Los Lobos, and um, wow, just a lot of people. I'm looking at the lineup. It's it's pretty intense this year. Um, a lot of a lot of really cool independent bands too that um, you know we don't hear a lot about of, but there's quite a few people that are going to be out here, and it's a three day festival. So that's kind of cool. And I know the city winery gets involved as far as, you know, hosting the after parties and stuff like that. But, yeah. Um, So there's a lot of really cool stuff happening. And um, and then there's a lot of art gallery openings right now that are happening. Um, And different things, you know, there's a permanent collection at some of the wineries of uh, different people's, you know, photography, rock and roll art and stuff like that but not everything nothing's really happening like today <laughs> you know but um you know it's there's always up. something i mean if you want to find something there's always something it's kind of like new york city you know there's always something to find if you want to find something it's there <laughs> that's amazing you know new I york know. is really jumping i've got a, i got events tomorrow night i've got they're going to have a panel on arturo vega you know, uh, from the Ramones who passed away. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a mm-hmm. panel about him tomorrow night. From actually, the curator of the Queen Show uh, wants me to come. And then there's going to be a, a reading at another club right nearby with a band. Uh, there's so much stuff in New York. Either the weather's changing, so much activity. You know, it, there's so much happening. I can't go to everything. It's crazy. I mean, I Thursday love that night about is- New York. It's like when the weather changes, everything starts to happen. Yeah, Thursday, and you know, Thursday night is the night in New York. Thursday night is where everybody, for some reason, everybody, I mean, there's openings on other nights, but not as much as Thursday night. Everybody, I don't know why, they've all planned it for Thursday night. It's impossible. You can't see, you're lucky if you get to two, because <laughs> they're all six to eight, you know, it's like a Seinfeld thing. Everybody's got six to eight. <laughs> so, yeah, how are you going to travel from six to eight to see everything? You know, it's a... It's not a one Well, you place. take off work early, you have an early dinner, or you have dinner at the venue, and you go and you chill. And then 8 o'clock, well, if, it, if it's yeah, done you know, by 8, you, know you go out for a late dinner. Got a different, 
Yeah, but you'll have it on different sides of town. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. with New York. That's the problem. If it's then a one the area, cab. <laughs> no, not no. I don't know, man. I'm no. There's too much money. Take a cab Hello. Down. Oh, I heard a click on the phone. Maybe we're being topped again. <laughs> I want to thank everyone that's that's been in and out of the chat room. Um, I'm so sorry. Yeah. All my fault, <laughs> It's, no, it's no, it's not about it. you. It's but more, I think we, it's more I think probably we all are doing good in this world because we're just telling the truth. Yeah. No, it's more. It's more. They're probably tapping um, my phone because. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Holly, what is going on over there? <laughs> yeah. Um, to interview you. <laughs> well, I'm getting into what they're spraying in the vineyards. Okay, so oh. we're not going to go there right now. So, yeah, so. it's affecting people's health. Um, anyway, so oh, what no. I was going to say was, um, yeah, That's we won't the, go there the right now. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Wait a minute, I have to break the news to you because it was a call coming in and that's what the sound was. It was a call <laughs> coming in to me, but I didn't pick up on it. So all this oh. paranoia, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Okay, cool. Vincent's here to let us know. Everybody calm down. Everybody's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Thank all you, good. Spencer. There's a call coming in. I didn't pick up on it. A London calling. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I want to, again, must... thank everybody for listening today. And um, this coming Friday, believe it or not, I have Sean Weiss on. And I know you've seen Sean Weiss's photography on the um, on Facebook oh, yeah. and stuff. He like is kind of like he's in a he was an att- he's an attorney and he also um, always was at the right place at the right time. Has some really candid photos of the of, of pretty much everyone and anyone you could think of in the rock and roll industry. It, it like moments getting in and out of cars, eating whatever you know. It yeah, doesn't really matter. Great. He just kind of was there, and yeah. uh, he's going to be on the show on Friday. And then the okay. following week we have Willie Nile. We'll be having Willie Nile on, but um, we do have some really fun stuff coming up. So um, make sure to check out Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio and the Indie Cafe on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio. And I want to thank everyone for listening today. And again, if you missed the beginning of the show, the show will be on iTunes afterwards, and also as a permanent collection on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio under the Indie Cafe. And with that, <laughs> we're going to end the show <laughs> with Thank you, the Holly, B-52s. So Thanks, Rome. Lee. Thanks, Holly. We're all we're together gonna do, Yeah, we're going to do a B-52 song just in your honor, um, Lee, okay? Thank right. you. And for Cindy for being part of the film. Yay. Absolutely. That's right, Cindy. Thank yeah, you, Cindy Wilson. Awesome. Yep. She is awesome. She is awesome. And I want to thank you, Spencer, and thank you so oh, much you, for Holly. calling in. And for everyone out there listening, um, have a great week. What's left of it? When you hear this show, it will be Earth Day. Here you guys go. Happy Earth Day. Happy yeah. Earth Day. Absolutely. Absolutely.